0: Women have played a significant role in our society and culture through time, so let's take a look at the history from the women's side. I'm your host, Brittany, and welcome to Her Story Sessions. We all have a favorite superhero. They embody greatness and justice in a way that we don't see in the real world. We admire their powers and their ability to overcome challenges to defeat the villain time and time again. The growing popularity of Marvel and DC cinematic universes over recent years has put these superhumans more and more into the forefront of entertainment, although only more recently have we started to see more superwomen in the lead role when we go to the movies. I'm happy to see more inclusion of these amazing women. And I know some found it cheesy or even controversial, but I absolutely loved this scene of all the women showing up to the fight to help Spider-Man in Avengers Endgame. Not saying it was perfect in female representation, but it was a step. Right now, Marvel's Scarlet Witch with show WandaVision and DC's Wonder Woman with her sequel movie Wonder Woman 1984 are the biggest Superwoman names being talked about around me. I absolutely love them both, but honestly knew nothing about Scarlet Witch pre Avengers movies and still only know the MCU version of her, although I'd like to eventually change that. Wonder Woman, on the other hand, I've known since I was a kid. My first memory of her is in the Justice League cartoon. And today, when it comes to the DC universe, her movies are my favorite by far, and I think she's the strongest character in all the other movies she's featured in. She's strong and compassionate and didn't need a tragic backstory to make her want to save others, and is able to see the good in humanity. On the flip side, my other favorite superhero is Raven, also a character I was introduced to in my childhood. I used to watch the original Teen Titans cartoon nearly every night with my brother, and those are good memories for me. Raven was my favorite of the team, and I even made a cosplay of her a few years ago. Her story is much different, with her being a literal half-demon who had to come to terms with the evil power in her, but chose to learn to control it and be a force for good, rather than accepting the world-ending destruction that her father had planned for her. But it took a while to get to where these women are within the superhero realm now. So let's have a look back and learn some more about the women within the comics. Time for her story session. The golden age of comics began in 1938 with the introduction of Superman, who became wildly popular. In fact, many of the big-name heroes we know today were created during this time. The first widely known female superhero was Wonder Woman in 1941, although there were a few smaller names before her. The first woman in a comic book was Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, first published in 1938. Sheena was with her father exploring Africa when she was a young girl when her father accidentally drank and died from a magical potion made by a native witch doctor. The witch doctor took her in and raised her. She's able to communicate with animals in the jungle and is proficient with knives, bows, and spears. Portrayed wearing a leopard skin outfit and barefoot, she fought everything from poachers and hostile natives to giants, vampire apes, and serpent gods, among many other things. Her sex appeal is probably a large part of what made her popular. Several TV, show, and movie adaptions have been created about this character. Fantoma, Mystery Woman of the Jungle, was introduced in Jungle Comics No. 2 in 1941. She is a goddess-like protector in the jungles of Africa, although she's white and blonde just like Queen Chinga, who can transform herself into a blue phantom skeleton creature and has huge magical powers. Original writer Fletcher Hanks made her somewhat cruel to anyone threatening her jungle and its inhabitants and her punishments for anyone caught by her are described as horrific. Later writers portrayed her as a regular human adventurer and even later on she became Phantoma, daughter of the pharaohs a queen of a lost civilization descended from the ancient Egyptians. 1941 also saw Miss Fury written by one of the first female artists Tarpe Mills. This was originally a Sunday comic strip before getting her own comic book later that year. Miss Fury was a wealthy socialite named Martha Drake. She had no natural abilities but gained strength and speed when she wears a special cat suit made from a panther skin given to her by her uncle. According to him, it was used by an African witch doctor for special voodoo ceremonies. She's a complicated person and is involved in a love triangle, not really liking being a hero, and seems to resent needing a secret identity and the dangers that come along with it. It was a popular comic, but caused some controversies because of the revealing outfits that women wore. In 1947, 37 newspapers dropped the strip when Marla Drake was drawn wearing a bikini. Then William Moulton Marston created Wonder Woman. An Amazonian warrior named Princess Diana, who left her home island of Themyscira to help mankind. He was inspired by his wife, Elizabeth Holloway, and their life partner, Olivia Byrne. He wanted to create a new kind of superhero, one that would would triumph with love rather than the fists. Elizabeth is credited as telling him to make it a woman hero. He created what he believed was the era's unconventional, liberated woman. In a 1943 issue of The American Scholar, Marston, an outspoken feminist, wrote, Not even girls want to be girls so long as our feminine archetype lacks strength, force, and power. Not wanting to be girls, they don't want to be tender, submissive, peace-loving as good women are. Women's strong qualities have become despised because of their weaknesses. The obvious remedy is to create a feminine character with all the strengths of Superman— was all of the allure of a good and beautiful woman. Wonder Woman saw many changes over the years, including changes to her backstory and losing her powers in the 60s and opening a mod boutique. But she gained her powers back in the 70s and became a founding member of the Justice League. All three of these women appeared during World War II, along with other leading heroines and others as partners to their male counterparts. The partners were usually the wives or the girlfriends of the male leading hero, coming in to help defeat the villains. During this time, more women were entering the workforce while men were away at war, and the women stepping up to the comics to save the world can be seen as a reflection on that. Comics in general were a reflection of and influenced by the times they were written in. After World War II, the femme fatale archetype was born, which was usually a woman who refused to stay in their quote-unquote proper place, as women were unwillingly pushed out of the workforce and back into more traditional roles of housewives, and the men took back their jobs at home. This archetype is prevalent in the spirit comic book. In the 50s, female leads saw a decline in the comics, and in 1954, the Comics Magazine Association of America introduced the Comics Code in an attempt to regulate comic books. They wanted to create an interest in the value of women in the home and the sanctity of marriage. DC, who at the time had major female-supporting characters for nearly every male one, created their own regulations that women should be secondary characters. In it, they stated, The inclusion of females in stories is specifically discouraged. Women, when used in plot structure, should be secondary in importance and should be drawn realistically without exaggeration of feminine physical qualities. Atlas Comics, now Marvel, They were introducing new female heroes in supporting roles beginning with Invisible Girl, a.k.a. Susan of the Fantastic Four, although they would struggle for some time to gain recognition as equals. The 70s saw a rise again in the number of women characters, both on the hero and villain sides. This was again a reflection of the times, with the feminist movement underway, although many of these women were unfortunately just man-hating stereotypes. Thundra, who first appeared in Fantastic Four 129, was a powerful, red-haired, Amazon-like warrior, or Femazon, who time-traveled from a matriarchal 23rd century where the men had been conquered and enslaved by women. There was also Marvel's man-killer, an ex-skier turned villain, when she was recruited to a militant feminist group that outfitted her in an exoskeleton that gave her super strength, then sent her on terrorist campaigns. The 70s also saw the creation of the comic called that ain't me babe printed by the women's liberation basement press and was the first comic created solely by women put together by trina robbins there was only ever one issue but it ended up having three printings run due to its popularity it featured famous female icons such as wonder woman olivia oil elsie the cow sheena queen of the jungle little lulu and mary marvel all who are on the front cover Many of the women that contributed to this all went on to create women's comics, including Robbins. This was an underground all-women's comics anthology and ran from 1972 to 1992. Women's Comics Number 1 had the first ever strip with an out lesbian called Sandy Comes Out, written by Robbins herself. In 1977, at the height of the women's liberation movement, Marvel introduced Miss Marvel, who was supposed to be their feminist hero, but only ended up highlighting their struggles with feminine issues. The story was poorly handled, and ultimately became a failed attempt at the hero they were trying to embody. Marvel did successfully remodel some of their women characters. Invisible Girl became Invisible Woman and the chair of the Fantastic Four, and An Uncanny X-Men was relaunched in 1975, with the existing women getting new names, huge power level increases, flashier costumes, and strong, confident personalities. Jean Grey's alias changed from Marvel Girl to Phoenix, and Lorna Dame became Polaris, and the new hero Storm was introduced. She was the first major black superwoman and became the most famous black hero in history at the time. From the beginning was shown to be clearly confident and capable. In, nin- in the 90s, Jamie Hewlett and Alan Martin created Tank Girl a feminist anti-hero with a punk style and shaved head. The comic is about her life, driving and living in a tank, and her misadventures with her boyfriend, a mutant kangaroo named Uga. She became popular and a movie was made in 1995, which has since gained a cult following. There have been plenty of villainesses over the years too, of course, with being around nearly as long as Wonder Woman has, Enchantress challenges Thor and the Avengers many times. Mystique is a ruthless spy in the X-Men world. Batman regularly faces off with Poison Ivy, Catwoman, although occasionally she's on Batman's side, and possibly the biggest known DC villainess, Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn is the most sexualized characters today that I'm familiar with, especially with those shorts from Suicide Squad, and the scene of all of the men staring at her when she's changing when they're all released from prison. I was really happy to see the outfit changes she had in Birds of Prey, uh, but there are still plenty of long flowing curls, tight fitting outfits, cutouts over cleavage, short skirts, and fighting in high heels and comic books. Seriously, I can barely walk in high heels sometimes. I don't think we should be begrudge our heroines for wanting to wear decent shoes and a ponytail while they're saving the world. It's actually a big deal now that women are allowed to not be sexy, but I like the changes we've seen, however slow they might be coming. In the Wonder Woman movies, Diana and the Amazons wore outfits based on real Roman armor. They had metal plating all the way up to their necks, their abdomens were covered, and they were allowed to just be warriors. These movies had director Patty Jenkins and costume designer Lindy Hemming, so I think these women in these roles made a big difference. If you compare the Amazons and the Justice League, there's a pretty big difference. Many of them are basically wearing leather bikinis in that movie, and I hated it. I think Marvel did a decent job with several of the heroes, with Captain Marvel essentially wearing the same thing as the Kree-men her unit at the beginning of the movie, and later on in the Avengers Endgame, her hair is cut short. She's supposed to be the Marvel's feminist hero, though, so it makes sense that her looks would reflect that. Then there's the Dora Milaje, all of the female royal bodyguards of Wakanda who have shaved heads and absolutely amazing outfits in Black Panther. These are warriors first, like the Amazons. Another distinction of these women is that they are amazing black women being shown, along with Shuri, who could give Tony Stark and Bruce Banner some tech-inventing lessons. That's something else we haven't seen much of over time. We've seen Storm in the X-Men, and more recently Monica Rambeau stars in WandaVision. But Black Panther aside, black people tend to be shown in the roles of sidekicks and negatively stereotyped when they are shown. I really hope the next Black Panther is a woman, And I think there's several in the universe that could fill those, hopefully, non-healed shoes very nicely. Latinas are another group that have limited representation. In 1979, DC introduced Beatriz de Costa, a.k.a. FIRE, a model-turned-undercover agent in Brazil, who was exposed to pyroclastic explosions on one of her missions, which resulted in FIRE-based superhuman powers. In the late 80s, both DC and Marvel recast several characters as different ethnicities in an attempt to be more diverse, but more original Latina characters didn't appear until the 90s and 2000s. Then we met Anya Corazon as Spider Girl, Lorena Marquez as Aqua Girl, and Renee Montoya, a lesbian Gotham City detective that ends up leaving the force and taking over the role of the question. She was most recently shown in the movie Birds of Prey, Played by Rosie Perez. The LGBTQ community is recently getting more representation, with either established characters coming out or new ones being introduced. There are very few trans characters, but in 1993, Kate Godwin, a.k.a. Coagula, appeared in the Doom Patrol comics. She is a trans woman with the power to turn liquids into solids and vice versa. She was also written by a trans woman, a writer named Rachel Pollock. In 2011, DC reinvented Batwoman, made her a lesbian, and promoted her from sidekick to a hero on her own. And of course, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy are famous, famously in a non-exclusive relationship at one point. In 2016, Wonder Woman's writer Gregory Rucka confirmed that she is bisexual, although her early comics had plenty of subtext hinting at this. In research, I found there were actually a few gay heroes that were intended to be so by their creators when they were first written, but until recently couldn't really come out and say so. So gay and lesbian superheroes have always been there, we just didn't know as an audience. Another reflection of the times in the comics. So a lot has changed with time, and while we learn more about ourselves as a society and about the lives and experiences of those who are different from us, I'm sure that we'll see that in our comics too. Representation matters, because with that we can see a little of ourselves in these women. And when we see a little of ourselves in a good person, even a fictional one, we can believe there's a little good in us too, and that's a step to a society that I really want to live in. So, I really enjoyed researching this episode. And I've learned a lot about heroes I've never even heard of, and even still feel like I've barely scratched the surface of what's out there. I love a good superhero story, as I'm sure many of you do too. Because sometimes while our lives can feel a little mundane and our world a little too scary, it's nice to know that we have these icons of good to look up to, even if they exist only in our collective imagination. Until next time, and thank you for attending this Her Story session. I'd love to hear who your favorite superheroes or villains are. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Her Story Session and let me know. While researching, I did come across a Wikipedia list of women comic creators and was happy to see how long it actually was. If you're interested in checking it out, the link is in the episode descriptions.